everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Ladies Who League. I'm your host Mary Kay and it is finally September and you know what that means, finals are just around the corner. I'll be taking a little bit of a holiday in between uh, now and the grand final so before I leave for holidays I just wanted to say a big thank you to all of you for listening. We hit over a thousand listens this week so thank you for enjoying the show, I really really appreciate it. We're going to get into it, but let me introduce you to Sarah Foster this morning from WSFM. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning. Thank you so much for coming in. It's a joy to have you here. Great to be here. It's always good to uh, have a fellow Parramatta fan in the studio with me in the morning. (laughs) You know what? They're not hard to find, you know, Parramatta fans. No, we're everywhere, aren't we? (laughs) Now, Sarah, were you one of those people trying to steal the seat from Parramatta Stadium on Monday night? Yeah, I might have snuck a screwdriver or two into my bag, but um, unfortunately, (laughs) I couldn't work out how to smuggle it out under my jersey. So, (laughs) I I don't think many people were successful. I think I saw a couple people uh, with police following the game um, trying to smuggle their seats out. I actually thought the police presence was about burning the stadium down. I thought that was why (laughs) there were so many police around, but um, good to see Parramatta get a win. Yeah, it was a great way to send off the uh, the, the old stadium and um, so close to the, the mirroring score as well until the last five minutes. I know, the time. Dragons spoiled it. The Dragons ruined history. I was sort of really angry at them when they scored that second last try in the yeah. last five minutes and I yeah. was thinking, geez, you've ruined history. But then they scored one more time so and it wasn't was like, anyway. oh, you know what, but we're all yeah. good here. It's been a great venue. Uh, You've said a lot about Parramatta Stadium. I feel the same way, kind of like I've grown up there. Going there feels like home, especially with my sisters. And, um, yeah, it was just great to be there last um, Monday night and and send the Eels out winners there. Sarah, was it the first place you watched the game of football? Yeah, it was. Yeah, Yeah, me too. um, No doubt I've watched, you know, much more games there than anywhere mm-hmm. else and um, I love it but I'm looking forward to what the the fabulous new state-of-the-art stadium is going to be as well. Absolutely we'll have a, a fabulous new place to make some memories hopefully some uh, premiership winning memories as well <laughs> wouldn't that be good? There's no hope about that that is a definite. I like it well let's get into our first big issue Sarah this week I wanted to talk about the announcement about the AFL women's competition. So the AFL this re- this week has released proposed numbers for how much the players will be paid. So I'll break it down for everyone that hasn't heard about it. So the two marquee players at each club are going to earn $25,000 and that'll be a $10,000 marketing fee and a $15,000 playing fee. Each club will have each Victorian club, sorry, will have one priority signing and they will command $10,000 and that'll be about four players and the remaining players will receive a minimum of $5,000. Suppose my first question is, if the women's competition, if we're looking ahead 10 years and we want the women's competition to run aside the men's competition, is this enough to get women interested in playing AFL professionally? Well, I think you've got to start somewhere. And mm-hmm. so this is what they're doing. They're starting. Um, it's by no means comparable to what men are paid in the AFL. Um, but it's, it's a completely different kettle of fish at this mm-hmm. point in time. Um, I think the thing here is it's great that women are going to be paid as professional athletes for that short amount of time that they're playing for. Uh, and this is a good 
maybe an experiment this time. Mm-hmm. Um, if everything goes well, then perhaps season two is when the players can be demanding more money if they're getting bums on seats, if they're getting interest, if they're getting marketing, because I think that's what it comes down to. Uh, you need to be making money for the club that you represent in order to be asking for to be paid more money. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's a good start and um, hopefully will be better in season two. It's interesting, Sarah, you raised the bums on seats question and that was something that I really thought about when they launched the competition because it's an eight-week competition and it's going to be played before the AFL men's competition mm. gets underway. Now, that's a little bit different to the model we saw for the WBBL where the women's game was played before the men's game and you'd have the double header and people would be given the opportunity to watch both. Do you think the AFL's gone the wrong way? Yeah, I do. I think that's probably the most disappointing thing out of this. The the women's Big Bash went gangbusters because it was there as part of the whole Big Bash tournament. People were there to watch the men's event. If they were there earlier, they'd watch the women's and see how great the, those female players are. And then they'd say, hey, look, this is a great, a great competition. I'm going to watch this and I'm going to watch the men's. I'm worried that having women playing an AFL competition that's separate to AFL, probably at smaller grounds, and um, is it going to be over summer or, you know? I believe it's going to start at the beginning of February. Yeah, so not even when we're we're ready for AFL, um, it's not going to get those bums on seats simply because it's got those elements against it. You put a women's game as a curtain raiser before a men's game, you're going to get heaps of people watching, they're going to see the skill, they're going to say, how good's this, let's get behind the women's comp. Sarah, I think maybe that's why I'm slightly upset about these numbers because to me they do look small. It looks to me like the AFL very much is dipping its toe in the water when it comes to this women's competition. If we look at what happened with cricket, cricket threw everything behind it. They said, you know what, we're going to have it at the same time as the men. We're going to televise it. Everything that happens for the men's competition will happen for the women's Mm. competition. Maybe that's where some of my angst about this is coming from. Yeah, and rightly so. Cricket has has been, I think cricket's been ahead of AFL and NRL Agreed. and any other code when it comes to women's sport for a very long time. Um, and and perhaps other sporting codes should should take a look at cricket and and learn from what they've done and see how they've managed to make it as successful as it is. Absolutely, because the Big Bash was just phenomenal, mm. and those. Those female cricket players have now reaped the rewards. There's been an announcement that they'll get increased salary this year, and and that is the model, I think. So we'll see what happens with the AFL. I hope everyone gets out there. So for me, the message is if you've heard us talking about these numbers and you don't think they're enough, then the way to react to that is to get your bum on the seat Mm. and to take your friend, to take your mum, to take your dad, to take your daughter, to take your brother, and to make sure that there are numbers there so that the AFL sees that there's interest here and hopefully for season two, we can see these 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 figures go up. And if they don't go up, that's perhaps when we start to have problems. Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, let's take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk NRL. Time to get straight into rugby league. Let's start with last night's game where the Bulldogs lost to the Bunnies 28 points to 10. There's a lot to talk about out of this game, Sarah, but I think the biggest thing was that battle between Sam Burgess and James Graham. I loved seeing them, two of them, getting fired up. Yeah, they are passionate players, both of them, and they wear their hearts on their sleeve. Mm -hmm. They're the two famed Englishmen in our competition and so good to see them going at it. I love a bit of that. Uh, But James Graham just makes me laugh. Have you seen him talking to the referees now with his hands behind his back? (laughs) Making that that point. So he doesn't have to (laughs) point. Um, But what will be interesting is now the Bulldogs are guaranteed to be playing Penrith in week one of the finals. We're not 
sure where that game will be held depending on results, but depending on what happens with James Graham attempting to kick Sam Burgess, James Graham may be missing for the Bulldogs for that game. Yeah, that that, that would be an enormous blow for them. Their courageous captain um, not there if that was to happen. Um, the thing about the Bulldogs that I'm thinking might help them is the fact that Des has the loves to be known as the underdog. Mm-hmm. Every week he makes a point of talking up the, the other team that they're playing every week. You know, it, it, they could be on the top of the ladder and he'll say the wooden spooners <laughs> are, are going to beat them. So th- they are actually now the underdogs. They've what, they've lost three in a row That's now. Right. Um, they are struggling with some form. Des will probably give them the kick up the bum they need and they could come out firing on all cylinders next week and I wouldn't be surprised. The Bulldogs are never a team I write off. Do you remember 1998, Sarah? Where, yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> I do. Say no more. Yeah, exactly. You never, ever write the Bulldogs off. Similar to never, ever writing off a Wayne Bennett coach team. And speaking of a Wayne Bennett coach team, the Broncos defeated the Roosters 24 points to 14 on Thursday night. Yeah, it was a, a bit of a dull game, I think. The Broncos lacked a bit of that luster that they showed the previous week. Mm-hmm. Um, nevertheless, nevertheless, they're into the, the top four, it looks like. They're going to lock in that position there on the ladder. Um, the Broncos always perform in finals. You, you don't doubt it. it. It's never a surprise to see the Broncos in the top eight. It's a surprise if they don't make it. Um, I think come this time of year, you expect to see the Broncos there and, and giving it their best. Yeah, absolutely. And I sort of want to give a shout out to both the Bunnies and the Roosters who have had disappointing seasons. Oh, but sensational finishes, I think. Absolutely. Like the Roosters were ahead at half time in mm. that first game. Um, mm. And that was sort of off the back of a disappointing first half by Brisbane where I think they had like eight handling errors and had an appalling completion rate. But for two teams that were struggling so much at the beginning of the season, it was good to see them sort of getting back into form as the season ended and showing their fans what they'll be capable of next year, I think. Yeah, that'll give everyone something to look forward to over the off-season. Absolutely. And we can't, I don't think, go any further without saying a big thank you to Corey Parker, who's one of my favourite players. You know, I loved um, on Thursday night, it looked as though they must have been giving out at Suncorp Stadium like um, salt and pepper coloured sort of wigs, <laughs> like they were so, like cardboard boxes well, but with, with great hair. Yeah, uh, everyone loves Corey Parker. To see him out there with his four children on the field, especially, you know, Really, really special moment. Absolutely. He's so a good there guy. were 37,000 fans there. Corey Parker made 84 metres off nine runs, 32 tackles, and 58 super coach points. He's been one of the greatest super coach players ever. Um, and it will be sad to see him retire at the end of the year, but the curtain falls on what's been an amazing career. Yeah, he's a sensational guy. Sarah, this is going to be a very exciting finals week in football mm. because the final comp- like the final makeup of the eight won't be known possibly until late Sunday afternoon. Yeah, it proves how t- how tight the competition is. You've got a few runaway leaders at the top, but certainly the the bottom four of the top eight, there's a real battle going on there. Uh, I like the fact that the Tigers are still a chance. Mm-hmm, me too. Um, not so keen on the fact that the Titans are a chance. I uh, would prefer if they weren't in the, in the top eight. <laughs> how but... are you feeling about Jared Haynes, Sarah? <laughs> oh, yeah, I wonder why I don't want the Titans in the top eight. No, um. What do we say? That's another segment, maybe. <laughs> Look, he just wanted to move closer to Dreamworld, I think. I think Who so. likes Dreamworld? Let's put it that way. Um, but yeah, the Titans could potentially make it. So depending on what happens between the Cowboys and the Titans, if the Titans lose, the Tigers are still in there with a fighting chance. And I think it speaks a lot about the Tigers, considering they've been missing James Tedesco. There's obviously been all that drama with Robbie Farah. Mm. And Luke Brooks and Mitch Moses, I think, have been quite impressive in the last few weeks. Yeah, they've been great. And, that, that, yeah, as you point out, Mary, a, a few things going against the, their Tigers' way. They've shown that resilience. Mm-hmm. They're playing at Leichhardt Oval this weekend. So if, the, if they're going to be a chance, this is going to be their, their best chance 
yet, I would think. And the fact that they're playing the Raiders, you know, you think back to the 89 grand final, mm-hmm. that uh, that rivalry there, it'll be a cracker. Absolutely. And the Tigers will be saying goodbye to Dean Hallatow that game as well. So mm. another curtain falls on an amazing career. But then we've also got the big game between the Storm and the Sharks. So... These two teams are sort of not in fantastic form. So the Storm has only won one from its last three and the Sharks won from four. This game is going to decide the minor premiership and if the Sharks can't fire up tonight... I don't know what's going to fire them up. No, it's interesting to have two teams battling it out for the minor premiership when they're both in a form slump. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think you're right, the Sharks in particular, did they peak too early? Uh, that's That would be my concern if I was a Sharks fan. Um, you know that old saying, turn the porch light on, Harold Holt's coming home. <laughs> Some of my friends who go for the Sharks have turned the porch light off. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not sure whether the Sharks have it in them to get that win that they're going to need to claim the minor premiership and I don't know whether that's going to, you know, kill off their momentum. And, and like I said, they did peak too early. But, um, you know, Melbourne not in top form either at the mm-hmm. moment. Well, the thing with the Sharks is I love a fairy tale. So I'm hoping that they do it. But should they lose, they may end up travelling to Canberra mm. to play the Raiders. And, and that is going to be, be a tough that. game, particularly if the Raiders beat the Tigers. And that'll mean an 11-game winning streak going into the final. So isn't that a team that's peaked at the right time? Yeah, and I think that's one of the, the things I've loved about this season. Just the Raiders sort of coming out of nowhere, that resurgence, It's it's been fantastic. Uh, I think I'm sort of thinking like that because a friend of mine at work goes for the Raiders, so, you know, he's been in my ear. How mm-hmm. about those Raiders? But it's great stuff. We haven't seen the Raiders in the finals for more than a decade, have we? So It's, it's been a while. Yeah, good, good on your green machine. I'd like to see a Sharks-Raiders grand final. Yeah, something different. Well, do you like that? Something, something different. <laughs> as long as the Raiders win, sure. Yes. Yeah, so look, I tipped the Sharks at the beginning of the year, so I'm all on that Sharks Ooh. bandwagon. But um, speaking of that Sharks bandwagon, something that's been a little bit disappointing for me this week has been the news about Andrew Fafita. Have you mm. kept on top of that, Sarah? Yeah, uh, it's it's an awful, awful story. It's horrible. He should be absolutely ashamed of himself. Um, we're talking about the fact that he's defending Kieran Loveridge, who mm-hmm. is the the thug responsible for the uh, the coward punch attack in King's Cross that claimed the life of Thomas Kelly four years ago. Um, we're not quite certain exactly how, but somewhere along the lines, Kieran Loveridge and Fif- Andrew Fafita have crossed paths and for whatever reason, Fafita's taken it upon himself to, uh, to stand up for this guy. Uh, I think it's a tricky one in that, you know, if they have a, a history of a friendship and he feels as though he wants to um, help to show him the way and, and he's he's been visiting him in jail because he wants to help him get back on track, then that's one thing if he does it in his own private time. We know now, though, that uh, Andrew Fafita's been displaying those letters on his wrist strapping FKL. I've wondered all season what that stands for well, because you see now. the F and I, you know, I'm thinking is that a... A rude word. Um, not a rude word, but, you know, the suggestion oh, worse, that it I is think. free Kieran Loveridge, a lot, a lot worse. I don't think anyone in their right mind would say that Kieran Loveridge should be freed. He's a thug. Andrew Fafita is a thug for sticking up to him. And to write that on his wrist strapping, it shows that he has no sensitivity for the family who lost their son. They lost another mm-hmm. son just a few weeks ago. It's an horrendous story and Andrew Fafita should hang his head in shame. Sarah, I agree with you and it's interesting. When this story first broke, I thought, look, if Andrew Fafita and Kieran are childhood friends or their families are close, I completely understand if in the privacy of his own time he wants to go and visit a mm, friend of sure. his in prison. I get that. But... 
now that it's become public and he's speaking out for this person, I just I think it's completely inappropriate, mm. um, particularly when this is an indefensible action. Absolutely. Like, and and there's the question of, you know, sh- should the NRL or should the club be able to tell Andrew Fafita who he mixes with or who he doesn't or what his views are? Well, I think if you've got, a you know, a person of, of sound mind who has strong morals, then no intervention is necessary. But if you've got a, a player on your team who's clearly displaying he has no morals, he's bringing your club into disrepute, absolutely. he's bringing the competition into disrepute, give him a kick up the backside. And I think that's the point, that once it begins to reflect on the club and the game, then that's when we need to start stepping in. And I think Andrew Fafita needs more than a kick up the bum, to be mm, honest. A lot more. A couple of kicks up the bum. <laughs> and I'm sure we'll see him playing as well because this is an important game. He's one of the Sharks' key players. We'll see him run out tonight. Yeah, we will. And that's the disappointing thing because you think about players who've been in trouble for bringing the game and their club into disrepute throughout the season. You know, you think of Mitchell Pearce, you think of Corey Norman, players who have been suspended for doing the wrong thing. Dumb things, though, in Stupid most cases. Stupid things, not uh, not deliberately offensive behaviour, just probably silly things. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a lot worse, the Andrew Fafita case. And you're, you're right, Mary, we are going to see him play. We'll probably see him play all the way through the finals because mm-hmm. that's the way that the Sharks conduct themselves. They don't admit they've done things wrong. And the thing with um, with the off-field stuff is that there's just no there's no consistency. So a player can do something wrong and we've got absolutely no idea what the penalty will be. And obviously different things need different penalties. We had the Mitchell Pearce thing at the beginning of the year. We had the Corey Norman incident. Corey Norman, what he did was absolutely stupid and I'm not condoning his behaviour, but it was dumb. It's completely different. Yeah. To this. this is disgusting. It's disgusting. It's offensive. It's it's, it's sad as well. Yeah, it is. And you know what are you trying to say to people? These are players who children look up to. Mm-hmm. Um, if Andrew Fafita is saying, "Look, I'm friends with this guy who coward punched a young man unprovoked and killed him," and I think that's okay. I think that's What's fine. that saying to people? Yeah, not the right thing. Uh, not the right thing for Andrew Fafita to be saying. Not the right thing for the Sharks to be saying. And not the right thing for the NRL either. No. So And Andrew Fafita's got form. He's he's a no. Oh, this is he's not a, a first thug. time. This is not the first time that. Not something of this nature has happened, but the first time that Andrew Fafita has been offensive or, or done the wrong thing. So mm. um, he needs a good kick up the bum. I need to see less pictures of him smiling and giggling on <sighs> the back of the paper. Yeah, no, I'm not feeling as, as happy with the Sharks anymore after this segment, Sarah. You've really, well, you haven't turned me, but um, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a sour taste. Mm. Tickets are now on sale for the Rugby League Experience Annual Legends of League Grand Final Cruise. Spend the afternoon cruising Sydney Harbour with great food and drink whilst being entertained by rugby league legends Tommy Radonigas, Michael Crocker and Mark Spud Carroll. In Sydney for the grand final? Why not join in the fun? For more information or to book, call us on 1300 885 718 or email therugbyleagueexperience.com.au. So while we may not know what's happening in the NRL finals quite yet, we do know what's happening in the AFL finals. So come week one, the West Coast Eagles will be playing the Western Bulldogs, Geelong will be playing Hawthorne, the Swannies will be playing My Giants, and the Crows will be playing North Melbourne. Joining us to talk us through all that is my friend Lee Gaskin. Now, I've been waiting to have Lee on the show all year. He's a very, very busy man, so we're very lucky to have him joining us this morning. Hi, Lee. Hey, Mary. How's it going? Very well. How are you going? 
Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Just uh, loving life here in Canberra this weekend and uh, I'm looking forward to the AFL finals next week. Absolutely. So tell me, Lee, who is the team you're most surprised to see in the finals this year? Most surprised? I think probably the GWS Giants. Um, everyone's sort of known that, that list has a lot of potential, but I don't think anyone could have predicted um, how, how good they've become in such a, a short amount of time. And I suppose then, Lee, the follow-on from that is how much of a big deal is it to have a Sydney-based final between the Swans and the Giants for the first time? I think it's massive. I think it's, it's huge for the game in New South Wales in general. Um, and, you know, we're talking about a, hopefully a crowd of sixty to 70,000 uh, on Saturday at ANZ Stadium, so that should be great. And, yeah, I think it's fantastic for the development of the game to, to see the Swans and the Giants uh, go up against each other. Lee, it's Sarah here. Um... I love the fact that there are going to be two Sydney teams facing each other in the AFL. Um, is this something that Victorian fans are going to be up in arms about? Uh, I don't think so in week one. Like, I think if it happened in the preliminary final or, um, you know, if we saw a Swans-Giants grand final, there might be a bit more um, talk around. There's already been a little bit of talk, uh, you know, from certain people that the Giants got too many concessions, that they were, um, you know, sort of given too many... Um, high draft picks and that's why this is happening and it's going to happen now for quite some time but look I think in week one where we've still got um, you know uh, one game in Melbourne the John Hawthorne game obviously on the Friday night at the MCG I don't think it's too much of an issue for the uh, for Melbourne supporters. Lee it's interesting you raise the concessions point that point only seems to come up when the Giants are doing well and we look <laughs> at the Gold Coast Suns and they've had similar concessions made and they are still not making the jump. I'm interested in your view on the concessions and whether you think um, they've been too helpful for the Giants in, in getting them to where they are now. I don't think they, I don't think it has been. Look, I think obviously in the first three or four years of the Giants, nobody was really saying a lot when you know, they were lucky to win one or two mm-hmm. games a season. Um, but obviously they went about their, their list build in an interesting way where they knew they were going to take a lot of hits and they, they built around these, you know, obviously at the start, 18- or 19-year-old players with a view that it would take five years for them, for them to really build a strong list. Um, whereas Gold Coast tried to go for a bit more of an immediate hit. Obviously you've got guys like Gary Ablett, mm-hmm. uh, Jared Brennan from the Brisbane Lions and, yeah, hasn't really panned out for them, and they've basically now got to got to start from scratch um, yet again. Because um, part of it's about not just getting those players, but then obviously building that environment that wants them to stay and commit long term. Um, I think that's what the Giants have done successfully. Absolutely, and I think we've seen a couple of Giants players celebrating big milestones this year. Like for example, Cullen Ward celebrated his hundred games for the Giants, mm. and I think that's sort of what I'm most proud of in that they were a very young team. They've always been a very young team. And now, you know, they've finally all grown up together and Giants fans are beginning to reap the rewards. Well, that's right. And obviously, when you get drafted, you sign an initial two-year contract. So the challenge the Giants had was obviously convincing guys like Jeremy Cameron and and Devin Smith and Toby Green um, to stay on beyond those two years. And they've done that successfully where Gold Coast have lost a lot of players um, to the go-home factor um, because they haven't been able to build that environment up there successfully just yet. Lee, do you see what I've done here? So I'm a Giants fan, so rather than getting you to talk Mm. about the AFL finals, I've tricked you into only talking about the Giants. (laughs) Very smooth, very smooth. I'm very, very smooth operator. But I might ask you, which game are you most looking forward to? Which first finals game are you excited about? Uh, Look, I'm a little bit biased as well because I'm an Adelaide Crow supporter. I work in in Adelaide and I live there now, so I I can't wait for the Crows North Melbourne game. be in front of a sold-out um, crowd there at Adelaide Oval 
Crows obviously really disappointing. Um, blew their chance for a top two finish with a loss to West Coast. But look, suppose as a neutral supporter, um, it's hard to go past Jalon Hawthorne. Friday night at the MCG, you know, the two teams that have been, um, I suppose, the powerhouse of the competition now for the last five or six years, obviously the Hawks have won the last three premierships. Um, looking a little bit vulnerable this season, though. So a great test for them. And um, Jalon are, again, playing some great football with a Brownlow medal favourite, Patrick Dangerfield, in their ranks. So it should be a great game. And Lee, look into your crystal ball for us and tell me who's going to make the grand final and who'll take out the competition. Can Hawthorne make it four in a row? What do you think? Oh, it's a tough one to ride off the Hawks. You know, being such a great side. But look, I don't think you can go past the teams that finished one and two on the ladder. That's the Swans and Geelong. I think they've just been really consistent uh, this season. And I think if there's a wild card, um, it's probably the GWS Giants. I just think with uh, you know, with, with the youth they've got, the speed they play at, um, it's just whether they can hold up under the intensity of finals football um, and, and see how far they, how deep they can go this year. But yeah, I think it's, I think the Swans and Geelong, I think that's probably the two teams you look at at this stage. Lee, I liked your smoking a lot. You're welcome back on Ladies Who Lake anytime. <laughs> <laughs> no worries at all. Before we let you go, are you also excited about the Raiders? Oh, I am indeed. Like I said, I'm just up in Canberra this weekend and uh, you can already feel there's a bit of a buzz around the town. Uh, they've got a, a bus which has uh, a bit of a, a few Raiders logos outside of it, painted it green and everyone's getting behind the green machine and it's fantastic to see, obviously, a bit of concern about Blake Austin's um, mm-hmm. uh, hand, hand injury, but hopefully they can get past that and uh, have a strong finals campaign. I hope so, Lee. Well, thank you so much for making the time. It was great to have you, and I know uh, we'll get you back in shortly, I'm sure. No worries. Thanks Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Lee. (laughs) Time for my favourite segment. It's Mary's Mix-Up. First thing I wanted to do was talk directly to my friend Nathan Ross from the Newcastle Knights. Now, I don't know whether you all saw the Facebook and Twitter video this week, but Nathan has promised that should he score a try in the Knights' final game this season, he will do one of his trademark flips. I've been waiting for one of these flips all season, so come on, Ross Dog, score us a try, please. The second thing I wanted to mention was Dawn Braid, who becomes the first female to land a full-time coaching gig in the National Hockey League. So she'll be coaching the Arizona Coyotes and she'll be their skating coach. So what Dawn said was, the fact that they respect what I do enough to name me as a full-time coach, I take a ton of pride in that and I've worked really hard for that. So we'll be keeping a big eye on Dawn and maybe I'll have to adopt the Arizona, Arizona Coyotes as my hockey team. Also wanted to have a bit of a chat about football. We've got Ellie Carpenter re-signing with the Western Sydney Wanderers this week. So while Ellie might be the youngest Matilda to compete at Rio, she's certainly a pro when it comes to pulling on the red and black of the Western Sydney Wanderers. So very good news there. And we also had the news this week that Lisa Devana has signed for the Orlando Pride. Also wanted to send big love and best wishes to our friends at the Aussie Spirit, who are Australia's women's softball team. Now, they're competing at the Japan Cup this weekend. They unfortunately lost their first game against the US yesterday 3-1, but they've still got games today against China and Japan. And they'll have another game tomorrow and their opponent will be determined depending on what happens in results today. So we're definitely cheering on the Aussie spirit and, and hoping that they can get a couple more wins today.
Now, don't forget the Paralympics are also starting this week on the 7th. We've been talking plenty of Paralympics in the lead up, but I just wanted to introduce you to one final athlete. Her name's Libby Kosmala, and she'll be competing in her 12th Paralympic Games this year. Now, she's not only competed in shooting, which is the sport that she'll be competing in this Games, but she's also been in swimming and, from my understanding, athletics too. And over her Paralympic career, she's won nine gold medals, three silvers, and one bronze. So... If you think that you're too old to compete or to play sport, look to Libby for inspiration because she's 74 and still kicking it. So good luck to all our Aussie athletes. We're behind you and uh, we can't wait to watch you compete at the Paralympics. And that's my final show before holidays done. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me. It's been so much fun having you. Oh, so much fun. I hope you have me back. Oh, definitely. <laughs> we'll try and get an eel in here. Maybe Clint Gutherson can come in and Gutho. join us. I love Gutho, Isn't Sarah. The so the thing with Gutho is in my bay at Parramatta Stadium, there were people criticising him at the beginning of the year. And the minute someone criticises a player, that's when I pick them up, take them under my wing and they Just become my favourite. Yeah, well, look, someone has to look out for them, don't they? Um, and now... Now the whole bay is cheering for Clint Gutherson. Everyone should. loves him. Bloody well held us together for half the season. No, no. And his hair, like, I, I don't know, it defies gravity. He just sort of doesn't look like he really brushes it. He looks like quite a character. So, um, yeah, let's get Gutho into the studio. Sarah, before I let you out of here, which two teams are going to make the grand final? Oh, I reckon it's going to be Raiders Broncos. Okay. Wouldn't that be an interesting one? Hmm. I I think you can't write the Broncos off in a final series and the Raiders are just on such a roll. They'll be there. The sad thing about that game would be that, you know, the Broncos obviously had their hearts broken last year, so Mm. I'd be really happy to see them win, but... I really I think want the Raiders get behind too. the Raiders, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Poor old Broncos. They just can't catch a trick, can no, they? they? They've won plenty before. They're right. Yeah, <laughs> look, they're all right. Look, Parramatta, well, let's talk about Parramatta. They can be there next year. That, that's We will absolutely concern. be there next absolutely. year. Absolutely. Look, I like that. Well, that's us done and dusted. Uh, as I've mentioned to all of you, Brittany Carter will be looking after you for the next two, three weeks. She's got some great guest plans, so make sure you tune into the show and let me know what you think while I'm away in Disneyland. Uh, as you know, I, I love it when you leave me a review. We're still sitting at 49, so if we get one more, I will give away some Ladies Who League merchandise. Thank you all for listening and, and for enjoying the show. I will see you when I get back for Grand Final Week. I promise that's going to be a killer show. You've been listening to Mary Kay from Ladies Who League. <laughs> Ladies, ladies, ladies.